This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We expect to be joined later on today's show by nobody. Because every so often we've got to go around with a shovel and clean up all of the uh, materials that have piled up and and not found their way onto the program. Well, we think Will Durst will make an appearance. For now, let's begin the program as we like to do with On This Date in History. And it was on September 10th in 1897 that British police make the first of many drunk driving arrests. 16 years later, on September 10th, 1913, the Lincoln Highway opened as the first paved coast-to-coast highway in the United States. The Germans one-upped that eight years later when they opened the world's first controlled access highway, part of the Autobahn system. We know controlled access highways in America as freeways. On this date in 1939, one week after the start of hostilities in World War II, a British expeditionary force landed in France. On the same day, Canada declared war on Germany putting Canada into World War II two years and three months ahead of the U.S., which required the attack at Pearl Harbor to get involved. And on this date, in 1963, after a quick tour of Vietnam, a pair of American advisors told President John F. Kennedy, A, that the South Vietnamese were making progress in their war against the Viet Cong, but that B, the Diem regime was near collapse. Kennedy said to the men, You two did visit the same country, didn't you? And on this date in 1990, Pope John Paul II consecrated the world's largest Christian cathedral, located in, well, you may never guess, Yamosucro, the capital of the Ivory Coast. Our quote of the day comes from The Economist magazine, who noted about U.S. health care reform, Americans have been fed a diet of ludicrous untruths that the astrophysicist Stephen Hawking, for instance, would have been abandoned to die of his motor neuron disease had he been unfortunate enough to live in Britain, which he does. Our quip of the day comes from the guest we had a few weeks back, uh, Dr. Seth Shostak of the SETI Institute, who said, if you believe that aliens have traveled hundreds of light years to Earth to carve temporary patterns in wheat, your imagination is one of the wonders of the world. Joke of the day, a brief one today, comes from New Scientist magazine. A man named David Jeffrey wrote the publication to note that he'd come across a publication entitled Emigrating Abroad. He wanted to know if there was a sister book for people who would like to emigrate somewhere else. Our stat of the day comes from Mental Floss magazine, which noted that the country in the world with the highest crime rate is somewhat surprisingly the Vatican City which can lay claim to 1.5 crimes per citizen. The magazine explained that it is in fact not the cardinals who are out donning masks and repeatedly robbing banks. It's just that the massive crowds of tourists out there in St. Uh, Peter's Square make the Vatican City a pickpocket's paradise. The situation is apparently complicated by the fact that the Vatican has no working prison and only one judge. Apparently most criminals in the Vatican City are marched across the border into Italy. Although apparently the Vatican does try to manage the shoplifting from its duty-free stores uh, 
Well, it punishes the scoff laws by temporarily revoking the troublemaker's access to those areas. And no, we don't have any explanation for what sort of person tries to shoplift from the Vatican City. But a, a bonus stat from the same article in Mental Floss does note that the Vatican, in fact, requires several hundred million dollars a year to operate, among other things, um, its many international embassies, which the Vatican is entitled to as a sovereign state. Before we go to the good, bad, and the ugly, we'd like to note a bit of uh, astronomy. If you go out 10 days from now, on the 20th of September, about an hour after sunrise, you will see Venus next to the star Regulus in Leo the Lion, which can be recognized by the fact that it looks like a backwards question mark. Apparently 50 years ago, in July of 1957, Venus passed in front of the star which allowed astronomers to make some calculations about the Venusian atmosphere. This does happen every so often, but, uh, well, if you want to you see the next one, mark on your calendar, October 1st, 2044. Oh, and it won't be visible in California. You'll have to go out to New York to see it. Why don't we jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for one-stop shopping after a Hummer dealership in St. Louis started selling firearms to boost sales of its gas-guzzling military-style vehicles. I guess the next logical step is to sell whiskey while you're selling firearms and Hummers, but uh, we don't know if they're going to get there. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for first dates. After a Detroit man invited a woman out to a romantic dinner, and then when the bill arrived, said he'd left his wallet in her car and asked for his date's keys. He then proceeded to drive away with her 2000 Chevrolet Impala. And I guess it was kind of an ugly week last week for the First Amendment. It was revealed that New York comedian Sunda Kroonquist is being sued by her mother-in-law for telling mother-in-law jokes. Evidently, Ruth Zafrin says her daughter-in-law's stand-up routine is malicious, intentional, and based on her hatred towards her. For her part, Kroonquist often jokes that Zafrin finds her mixed-race background alarming. All right, and from the Only in America file, we have this wonderful item. Apparently, a Missouri high school has banned the school's marching band from wearing T-shirts that depict brass instruments evolving into one another. Yes, the Brass Evolution shirt, based on the classic Ascent of Man image, drew complaints from religious conservative parents. If the shirts had said, Brass Resurrections, and had a picture of Jesus on the cross, we would have done the same thing, said a school official. Perhaps it's time in America we started firing more school officials. All right, let's do some, uh, some uh, correspondence. We received a note from Dean who, upon viewing the movie Inglorious Bastards, commented that uh, he thought it was a good story and the acting was excellent, and agreed with this correspondent that uh, Brad Pitt's statement that Bastards was the, quote, last word, and we can close the book on World War II movie ideas, was preposterous. Dean said he wasn't sure that Pitt really deserved the Jackass of the Week award, however. And I, you know, on second thought, I have to agree, that I was maybe being a little bit harsh on, on Brad Pitt. 
And we do want to add that Brad Pitt's uh, performance in uh, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford was fantastic, exceeded only by uh, Casey Affleck's uh, performance in the same film. If any of you folks out there have not had a chance to see that movie, well, I, I recommend that you do so. It's, it's really, really good. I don't think we'll retract the Jackass of the Week award, but I think to be nicer on this week's show, we just we won't, we won't give anybody that award. We noticed that over the summer months, we don't get as much correspondence uh, as other times of the year. I'm not sure why that is. But fortunately, lots of other folks write letters to the B and the Sacramento News and Review, etc. So we'll just borrow some of those. For example, Florence Lemoyne of Sacramento wrote the B commenting about a, uh, a cartoon by Jerry Holbert, apparently uh, commenting upon the, the American national debt, said, Florence, can someone please inform Holbert that 90% of the national debt has accumulated under Republican administrations, especially those of Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush? Yes, the current Democratic administration has had to increase deficit spending in order to avert another Great Depression. The Obama administration is also accounting for the costs of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan in a more honest manner than the Bush administration. Hear, hear. Like the letter, recent letter from Carolyn Martin, also to the Sacramento Bee, commenting about an article on the closing of California state parks, said Carolyn, closing as many as 100 state parks represents another F for both the legislature and the governor. Denying the public access to our recreational and historic treasures indicates an appalling lack of foresight and judgment. As your editorial pointed out, it not only doesn't make any significant dent in the budget deficit, it will actually harm local economies. I find it particularly ironic that the Republicans have voted against the $10 increase in vehicle registration so everyone would have free access to, whatever, everyone would have free access to our state parks, are now urging that parks in their districts remain open. Well said, Carolyn. Also like the comments by Mike Doherty from Sacramento to the Bee, after a viewpoint piece by Rich Lowry, uh, talking about how torture's not so bad. Said Mike, torture is morally wrong. It is a war crime and is against many treaties that our government has signed. If we want to use torture as an inter interrogation technique, let's opt out of the Geneva Convention agreements and all similar treaties. I can see Ronald Reagan turning over in his grave. After all, it was he who signed the Convention Against Torture after pushing it to the Senate. It states that, quote, no exceptional circumstances whatsoever, whether in a state of war or a threat of war, internal policy instability, or any other public emergency may be invoked as a justification for torture, unquote. That wouldn't seem to leave a lot of loopholes, would it? Actually, I've never re I have not researched whether Mike Doherty has a correct quote there, but I'm assuming that he does. And, and by the way, you know, bravo to Ronald Reagan for his effort in that direction. Reagan sometimes, uh, <laughs> well, Reagan has his detractors, but you know, the man did some good stuff. And I also enjoyed a recent letter by Julie Wolfenden commenting about how Sacramento attorney Mark Marin has basically put a homeless tent city on some property he owns downtown? Noted Julie, the flaw in the solution that attorney Mark Marin proposes in his tent camp is the impact that it has on the neighborhood and the neighbors. Yes, it is Marin's land, but does he live on it? No. Marin lives somewhere else where he doesn't have to live with the day-to-day -day impact of a homeless camp. Yes, the homeless need a permanent solution. However, would he or his neighbors like me to erect a homeless camp next to his house? 
I think not. If Marin wants to be part of the solution, let him open up his own personal house to the homeless. Let the homeless use his kitchen and bathrooms and bedrooms. I bet that wouldn't fly with his neighbors either. Let's leave the homeless situation to the elected officials within the laws of the city of Sacramento. And more importantly, neighborly regard and respect. Well, we're all for the neighborly regard and respect part, but leaving any kind of solution to the elected officials within the city of Sacramento is a dicey proposal. All right, let's do some news roundup kind of stuff. Um, Dateline Gdansk, Poland. We like this one. In the wake of the fact that World War II commenced 70 years ago last week with the simultaneous Nazi invasion from the West and Soviet communist invasion from the East, it was noted that Russians and Poles were trading insults this week over their respective roles in World War II. Polish officials and historians said the Soviets, who occupied the eastern half of Poland, were just as oppressive and murderous as the Nazis. For their part, the Russians said Poland cooperated with the Nazis before the war and made active efforts to destabilize the Soviet Union. Said Russian intelligence officer Lev Sotskov, without a doubt, a portion of the blame for unleashing the Second World War lies with Poland. Apparently, Prime Minister Vladimir Putin, who was in Gdansk to attend a memorial ceremony, was a bit less of a jerk about it, saying, Russia has always respected the bravery and heroism of the Polish people, soldiers and officers, who stood firm against Nazism in 1939. We notice he didn't say a lot about the heroism of the Polish people, soldiers and officers, who stood firm against communism in 1939. But that's to be expected. And for the record, Radio Parallax is firm in its position that the nation of Poland was a victim and not an instigator of World War II. We noted a couple of weeks ago in this program that uh, former Homeland Security Chief Tom Ridge was out on a book tour and originally dropped the bomb about the fact that the White House wanted the Department of Homeland Security to raise the terror alert level before the 2004 presidential election. Apparently, in his new book, The Test of Our Times, America Under Siege, Ridge wrote that he, re- resist- that he resisted pressure from Attorney General John Ashcroft and Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld to raise the color-coded alert level from yellow to orange in late October of 2004. Ridge wrote in the book, I wondered, is this about security or politics? But uh, out on the tour, uh, talking about the book, uh, Ridge backtracked, insisting that while he had suspected domestic politics were at play, he now does not believe that that was the case. Both Ashcroft and Rumsfeld have both denied the book's claims, which I'm sure are correct. Although, in saying that, I should note that the opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. Of course, with our uncanny record for accuracy, you'd think they would. We're bagging on the Cash for Clunkers program on this show a couple weeks back. Didn't get a chance to quote from an excellent editorial from the Sacramento Bee, so I think I'll do that now. Noted the Bee, Senator Dianne Feinstein was right the first time. The so-called Cash for Clunkers program, she wrote in a June column in the Wall Street Journal, was expertly designed to provide Detroit with one last windfall in selling off gas guzzlers currently sitting on dealers' lots because they're not a smart buy. Edmunds.com released its top 10 clunker buys last uh, this week. 
based on transaction data from dealers, and two large pickup trucks, the Ford F-150 and Chevrolet Silverado, along with three SUVs, the Ford Escape, the Jeep Patriot, and the Honda CRV, were among the top 10 buys. Last January, Feinstein introduced a bill to get gas guzzlers off the roads, but the auto industry opposed her tight fuel-efficient standards, and in the end, Congress approved a bill with looser standards. Anyway, I'm sure most of you listening saw Al Gore as an inconvenient truth, where he talked about our standards compared to the rest of the world's, and well, it's just a disgrace. There's just, there's just no hiding it. Our low standards for, uh, for mileage have just been basically a, uh, a subsidy for, for big oil and Detroit, who likes their big cars. Let's take a break, but before we do so, let's see if we can't uh, hear from our good friend, America's foremost political comic, Mr. Will Durst. Thanks, Doug. And today I'm here to spit and fume and go all semi-wiggy because I'm sick and tired of this country being held hostage by the criminally dim. People used to be embarrassed about being stupid. Now, all of a sudden, they walk around semi-erect all proud and stuff, waving misspelled signs and talking such a pack of nonsense, you'd think that monkeys had crawled up their butts and were blowing Oh Susanna on their perforated livers. During the healthcare rights, people actually had signs that said, Healthcare is socialism and keep your hands off my Medicare. Dude, at least use two different signs. And you can't get them to shut up about their density either. I'm a total idiot. I can't even write my name good. Look, I'm going to take this pen. Ow! I poked myself in the eye again. The deal is, the president was going to give a speech to kids, you know, kind of a stay-in-school pep talk to encourage them to study hard and take responsibility and the importance of getting an education and blah, 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 blah. You know, the same load of crap that we've heard our entire lives and kids get fed all the time. Only for some of these kids, this would have been their first load of crap. So what happens? Parents pull their children out of school because they don't want their wee precious barns to be hypnotized by the president's socialistic indoctrinations. I'm serious. The hell is wrong with people? For crumbs sake, he told the kids to wash their hands. Never mention fluoridated water. Do we always have to follow the lead of whoever wants to be king of the stupid people that week? It just makes a person want to buy a big old pink box of chocolate eclair profiteroles, eat the whole thing in one sitting while sitting on the couch in a snuggie. Screw health care. How about some legislation making smug ignorance a felony? I know, I know. Make me a three-time loser. Serving 20 to life for Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Always good to hear from Mr. Durst. Let's take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We got plenty more. 